0: Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brieseke, and today we're talking about running. But if you're not a runner, you still should listen <laughs> because I would not consider myself a runner, and I have learned so much. <laughs> you'll hear my like mind blown. I basically had like that mind blown emoji by the end of this episode. And, uh, you'll get to witness that (laughs) towards, towards the end as, as I talk with my friend, Angie Brown. So I brought Angie onto the podcast. First, she invited me onto her podcast and we had just like a super great conversation. And I realized very quickly that both of us do uh, very similar things in co- in completely not completely, but different contexts, right? I, I I coach and teach and train in the you know macro counting and the weightlifting space, and she does very similar coaching and training and teaching uh, just in the running space. But the way that we present our our information, the way that we teach our clients, the um, life lessons that we weave into our coaching parallels each other so much. And, and so after we had that, that interview, I, I just was like, I, I need to bring Angie on to the podcast so we can continue this conversation and dive more into you know some of the aspects of running, but particularly the aspects of running that really just are just super applicable to so many areas of our life. So that's what I did. I brought Angie on. She is a physical therapist. Um, she owns a business, which I love called real life runners and um we talk we talk about that and uh about what she does to help people to be able to to tap into this ability to learn to run and to learn to like running and enjoy running and uh at the end she she shares this concept of like letting running be easy that was just such an aha moment for me so i'm i am so excited for you to dive into this episode Like I said, even if you're not a runner, I'm not a runner. And I, by the end of this episode, was just like, this was such a good conversation. So even if you're not a runner, continue to listen because I'd be very surprised if you finished this and didn't learn something new. So let's dive into that interview. I am so excited to welcome Angie Brown to the podcast today. Angie, how the heck are you doing? Hi, Amber. I'm doing awesome. How are you? I am doing excellent. And uh, some of the people listening to this may be like, Oh, I know Angie. She's a runner. Amber, why are you having a runner on the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) That's like not your favorite thing to do. And you would be right. But uh, as I was talking to Angie about this beforehand, we are going to talk about a lot of things in the context of running. Um, But even if you're not a runner, the things that we're going to talk about today are going to be super applicable to you as well. So let's kick it off, Angie, with you just kind of uh, introducing yourself to my audience. Who are you? What do you do? And uh, how did you get into running?
1: Oh,, that's an interesting question. So, yeah, thanks. My name is Angie, and um Angie Brown, I'm a mom to two girls. I am a wife, and I'm the owner and founder of real life runners, where I coach runners to feel and perform their best and learn how to fit running and fitness into their real lives, hence, real life runners. So, um, my running story is interesting. And then how I got to kind of where I am is also an interesting story. So, to answer your question relatively quickly i used to hate running <laughs> so like i'll start there you know for like those people that might connect to that part of like you know not liking running like i grew up when in high school and i was like a competitive athlete like softball basketball and volleyball and so running was always punishment for us you know like if you mm, missed a serve true. it was punishment right mm-hmm. and so yeah. i always had this very negative connotation around running And it wasn't actually until I met my husband, who was a runner, who actually kind of helped me to start seeing running in a little bit of a different way and kind of opened my eyes to like what running actually could be that I actually took on this identity of runner and actually started running, you know, and actually to see and train what I and see what I could do with it
0: hmm So this, so, I, 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 this like question came to me as you were talking about the yeah. identity of a runner. Cause I noticed you said, you know, I, I met my husband who was a runner, right? So it's yeah. like this identity. And I'm curious is like, what, when somebody takes that identity on, is that a self-proclaimed identity? I think sometimes people are hesitant to call themselves a runner and you'll hear mm-hmm. people say, Oh, I'm not actually a runner. Like I jog or yeah. oh, I'm not actually a runner. Like I, I walk <laughs> or whatever, totally. like, like kind of feeling like that, that identity is, is something that is out of their reach or that they don't qualify for, mm-hmm. or is it really just more of like you decided you were a runner and that's all that it takes to have that identity. hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Like essentially like it is like any identity in our life, right? Like I think a lot of times we think that, like you said, there's certain things that need to qualify us to accept certain identities. Yeah. And one, and that's really one of the biggest limiting beliefs that we help our, you know, runners or our clients to, to get over is that idea of like, I'm not a runner or like I run, but I'm not really a runner or I'm not mm-hmm. a good runner or I'm just a slow runner, right? Like there's all these qualifiers that we want to Put on it. And if you run, you're, you're a runner, right? It yeah. just depends on if you want to call yourself a runner is really what it comes down to. I
0: love that so much. Um, we coach client or we teach, we teach and coach coaches how to coach. Yeah. And one of the first things that I do when our new coaches come into coaching Academy is I have them change their name in zoom to mm-hmm. coach Jessica. Mm. and, and making that point of like, okay, from here forth, like you are now a coach because they come, a lot of people come in with really hesitant to call themselves a coach. Cause they're like, I'm not good. I don't know how to do this. It's brand new, right. like all these things. And so I like, it's one of the first things they do is they change their name in zoom to like assume that identity. Now, like you are now a coach, welcome mm. to be a coach and you're going to get better and you're going to improve. And we're going to go through a lot of stuff. But I think what you said there of, of like, it is that just calling yourself it. It is assuming that identity and it doesn't take anything more than you making a decision. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's such an empowering place to be too, right? Because like, you know, what we like to, and I'm sure you're, you probably coach your people the same way as this. It's like the identity is the core of like who we are, right? When we say that we are a certain person or a certain type of person, that's where we then act from right so if we call ourselves a runner that means that we then have to do the things that runners do like run <laughs> and like yeah you know set goals and like try to improve and like do these things and that's where so many people get stuck they're like they're either stuck by inconsistency or they're stuck because they have this goal that they want to achieve but they're not sure how to get to it and they're not sure what kind of plan they should have and like all these different things but like when we kind of get them to this point, because like everybody wants to know what they should do, right? Mm-hmm. Like everybody's so obsessed with action. Like, well, just tell me exactly what I need to do. Like how many miles do I need to run? Or, you know, what speed? It, it give me the exact pace that I need to run so that I can hit this goal. But it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like let's pull it all the way back. Like, do you even think that you're a runner? Or are you defining yourself as a runner, A? And then B, are you putting some sort of qualifier on it, right? Because do you really think that if, if one of your goals is to get faster, do you really think that you'll be able to do the work to get faster if you identify yourself as a slow runner or as a jogger or as someone who's not really a runner? Like there's there's this, you know, subconscious identity that we, all of our actions come from that if we don't get clear on that and see kind of like how we want to define that, right? Because so many times we just like get things handed to us. Like we're just told this or we just take on these identities without even realizing it. And when we realize that we get actually get to choose, like, nope, this is this is the kind of person that I want to be, then we can use that power to then drive all the actions that we want to get the
0: outcomes that we want to have in our lives. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'd love to give like a very clear example that as you were talking, I was like, Oh yeah, that's totally what I'm doing. Um, so this is about me. Uh, I do not consider myself a runner. That is not an identity that I have, uh, assumed. Um, and a couple, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago, uh, my sisters, I have three sisters and a mom. So there's, there's four of us girls. And then my mom, and we are going to, um, be together this, this summer, we're going to like a family camp. And so, uh, a lot of my sisters are runners and my mom is a runner. My, my mom ran six half marathon. Her goal was six half marathons in the year that she turned 60. That's so awesome. she like, she loves running. Anyway, they put me on this text message train and they're like, Hey, we're all going to run this half marathon. When we're together, you should, you should come run it with us. And I, of course I said, yes, like literally the only thing that could make me run a half marathon is my other three sisters and my mom all running in the same race. That's like the only reason. So I said, yes. Um, that is in uh, a little less than a month. I think it's about a month away. Ask me how many times I've gone running. How many times have you gone running? (laughs) Zero. Oh no. I bought, I bought some running shoes last week. So we're making some progress. That's good. Um, but I know when you were talking about this, I noticed that that identity of like, I'm not a runner. I don't have to be good at this mm-hmm. has prevented me from going out and doing the thing that would help me to be better at this. And I know. Right. And that. then,
1: and then what happens is then you go out and do that thing and you don't get the results you want, or you like yes. you feel like crap in in, yes. in doing it. Right. And that reinforces the identity that you're not a runner. I'm not a runner. Right. Doing this. Right. But-
0: <laughs> yeah, but is it really that I'm not a runner or is it that I just freaking didn't do anything to prepare for this race right. that I have signed up for? Yeah. So I, I had some aha moments and I think I, the reason I'm sharing this story is because we all do this to some extent. And so, mm-hmm. yes, I'm telling you a story about running, but what I want you to hear in this is the way that I am uh, justifying this to myself, because you probably do it as well. So part of the way that I'm justifying is like, well, I'm not going to be good at this anyway. Like, nobody mm-hmm. expects me to be good at this. Everybody expects me to suck because I'm not a runner. And so I then perpetuate that cycle by not doing anything that would help me to be better. Because if I do that, and well, let's say that I did, let's say that I ran three times a week and like started tapering my miles up and like did these long runs on Saturday. And then I still sucked <laughs> and I still wasn't as good as my right. sisters. Then what would that mean about me? Right. So it's like if I put in the effort and then I fail, that's even worse than if I just don't. If I just show up and I'm like, oh well, I haven't run at all, so of course I'm going to be terrible at this. Yeah, and... but is it? What's that? Is it better though? No, it's like, not. Is... But, right. but that's what but we that's tell what ourselves. We think. Yes, yeah, this yeah. is what we tell ourselves. Totally. This is like the lies that we tell ourselves. Right. And, um, and I hadn't really put that together until you started talking. So I guess I guess I'm going out for a run. <laughs> all right. <laughs> later, later today. Well, whatever uh, you do,
1: don't make it like a ten mile run for your. No, person. no.
0: <laughs> Actually, it was funny. I went to go buy running shoes at the store. And, um, I, I, the guy like was sitting down and I was telling him, I'm like, not really a runner. Like my sisters want me to run this thing. I do a lot of weightlifting. Like I'm, you know, I'm pretty fit, but I like don't run very much, but I'm, I'm running this half marathon. And he's like, it's not tomorrow, is it? <laughs> and I was like, "No, it's like in a month." And he was like, "Oh, okay." He's like, "We get people coming in here all the time who are like, I'm running a half marathon tomorrow. I'm getting new shoes today." And he's like, "That's a terrible idea." So I was at least I, you know, wasn't that person. That's good. That's good. I'm glad that you got good running shoes. Oh, uh, okay. So, let's go back to um lessons that you've learned. I want to hear over the time that you have been a runner. What are yeah. some of the biggest lessons that you have learned that have been applicable in other areas of your life?
1: Oh my gosh. Where do you want me to start? Like it's, it's, there's so many things, right? Like, and I think one of the biggest things that running has taught me personally is that I'm not good at everything right away, Mm. but if I keep working at it, I can improve. Right. Like I am, and I don't want this to sound like bragging in any way, but like I'm naturally good at a lot of things. Like I'm a naturally athletic person. Right. And so when I would, was playing volleyball or basketball or softball or whatever, like I there was a level of natural talent there. But like running was something that I definitely told myself I was not good at. Right. And for the longest time, I, I told myself I, I'm not a runner or I'm a slow runner. Like I put all of those qualifiers on myself. And when I actually started to kind of get into running, I just started to kind of open myself up to curiosity, right, and and possibility. Well, like, what if I actually did want to get faster? Like, would it be possible for me to get faster? And so, I think that that's one of the things that running has taught me, and one of the reasons that I continue to run because it's not necessarily something that comes naturally to me. That's like I look at someone like my husband. My husband is a natural runner. And he's actually training for his first 100 mile race this month, which is like a whole nother level of crazy, (laughs) a whole nother level of crazy. That is not me at all. But running is one of those things that I know that if I put in the work and if I put in the effort, I can improve and I will continue to improve. And it it will continue to teach me that and also keep me humble (laughs) because like, you know, even if. I am putting in the work, like progress in running is not linear, right? Like same Mm -hmm. thing I'm sure with, with weightlifting, right? It's not linear. There are ups and downs there. You know, there are times that you're going to have to like pull back because you don't feel well. And, um, you're not, you, you run a race and you don't PR, you don't set, you know, the time that you were hoping to set. And so it's like, okay, picking yourself back up and like figuring out where, you know, you need to adjust your training and then going at it again. Right. And so, um I think that one of the biggest things also that running has taught me is that <clears throat> like we were talking about before with identity like it was all about the way that I was thinking about myself and about mm-hmm. running and like how much my thoughts and beliefs influenced what I was capable of doing right because everything that I was thinking about running or about myself totally had an effect on what I was able to achieve in my running and by learning how to start shifting that I can, I've, you know, reached things in my running that I've never thought I was going to be able to do.
0: That's so awesome. Yeah. And, and, and I see so many similarities. Um, and Angie and I've already talked about this, um, cause I went on her podcast is like so many of these things that we learn and, and it doesn't have to be running and it doesn't yeah. have to be weightlifting and it doesn't have to be macro counting. And it like, it can be a lot of different things, but when we do new hard things, mm-hmm. there are lessons there that, are applicable to so many areas of our life. And so for me, fitness becomes this playground of a playground to learn Mm -hmm. and to, to, to get experiences and to have hard things that then carries over to like all these other areas of my life. And it's, it's, you know, one of the things that I love. Most
1: of yeah, like I totally agree. I always say that fitness is like the gateway to personal development, right? Oh, it's like yeah, your, your fast track to personal development because yeah. it really is right. Totally. Like you just start to get into fitness, whatever it might be, you know, running, weightlifting, whatever, just because you like want to get in better shape, you know, you want to mm. be more healthy, like whatever it might be. And then you start to learn these other lessons like Um, from whatever that sport is that you're choosing and you realize how it does help you in other areas of your life. And that's really why I even started our company, Real Life Runners, is because I wanted to help give people like those connections, help them make those connections and and be able to run in a way – that was right for their body so that they could gain all of those benefits. Cause it was, it's not just about the running. Like I always tell people this, it's not about the running. It's not about how many miles you run. It's not how much weight you lift. Like mm-hmm. it's about what those things will do for you as a person, like the lessons that we learn from running, which is really where, you know, why I started our podcast, our company, like all of that is, was all about like the benefits that we get from running that will help us just to be better humans and live a better life. Yeah.
0: I love that so much. So people who have listened to the podcast for a long time have, have heard me say that I've won one marathon in my life. Exactly one. It was back when I was like 21 years old. It was a bucket list. It was like, Hey, that wouldn't it be cool if, yeah, I probably should run a marathon once in my life. And I ran it and everybody told me, Oh my gosh, you're going to get so hooked. You're going to cross that finish line and you're going to be like, when's the next marathon I can run? And I crossed the finish line and I was like, I never, ever want to do this again. And (laughs) I'm I'm like, and there's the bucket list being checked off. (laughs) So if someone is listening and they're like me, where they're like, has this bucket list item of like, Hey, I I just, I want to run a half marathon or I want to run a full marathon or uh, you know, whatever. I want to do a triathlon or whatever bucket list item that is. What is your best piece of advice for that person to have it maybe maybe be a little bit more successful and rewarding than maybe even my experience was. Although I will say I learned a ton about myself in that process. So I'm not sad that I did it by any means. Um, I'm actually really happy that I did it. Um, but how can you, you know, from, from a professional standpoint is like, how can we set that person up for success to have that be a really successful and rewarding experience for them?
1: Yeah, I think that the the biggest uh, piece of advice is to go into it with the right timeline, right? And understanding that like anything is possible if you have the right timeline, and if you have the right training plan, and that's a training plan that is right for you. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, this is one of the things that we talk about with our clients all the time, you know, so many runners, they'll just go on the internet. Right. And they'll just download a generic training plan. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you download, or you, you know, find a, a, how to run a marathon book and you use the plan in the back of the book. Right. And those things are, they're fine from, for some people, but they're not fine for a lot of people. And a lot of people like start to train using these types of generic methods and plans and they get injured, you know, or they, cause w- what happens is what, the generic plans do is that they assume us that everyone's at the same starting point. Right. So it's like for a marathon, for example, you know, maybe that marathon plan starts at like 10 miles, you know, or eight miles. So you assume, oh, you're like, oh, it's only going to take me 16 weeks to train for a marathon. But that's assuming that you have this base and foundation that you've already built up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you know that you haven't run at all, and you want to train for a half marathon or a marathon, it's totally possible as long as you have the right timeline and a plan that's right for you, like for your body and building on, you know, understanding like maybe where some of your strengths are and where some of your weaknesses are. Cause some people are, um, really love doing just the distance runs, you know, and some Mm -hmm. people really hate doing like the longer, slower runs and love doing like speed work and love doing lifting and those kinds of things. So like, how can you create a plan that's going to make you enjoy the process of it as well? Right. Because like bucket list items are cool and it's great to like say that you did it and like do this hard thing, but like, are you enjoying the process along the way? Like, I think that that's really the more important part.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's really it's really good, good advice. Um, let's talk about this overlap between lifting and running. Oh, um, there's a big one. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that you say that because I, uh, I get a lot of runners, um, who, who have, have ideas about what it takes to become a better runner and lifting mm-hmm. is often not included anywhere in, in that plan. So can you talk that about makes me that? Sad. Me too. <laughs> um, can we talk about, uh, you know, I'd love to hear from your perspective, that overlap of like, how, how can lifting help you to be a better, more powerful runner?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, so lifting plays a huge role in running. Um, so my background, which I haven't really um, told you about yet, like I'm a physical therapist. So that's like kind of what led me into coaching runners in the first place is like really when I was, you know, I, I was working in PT, I had two kids, I'd been working about 10 years and like I kind of always knew that I wanted my own business and I just kind of hated the traditional PT business model. I didn't want to be stuck in an office dealing with insurances, but like I knew I wanted to help more people and I wanted flexibility with my girls. And I also didn't like the way that the healthcare system and the medical system were set up in that, like, in my opinion, healthcare was like so reactive, right? And I wanted to help people be more proactive with their health, right? Because I know that like, probably 95 to 99% of like chronic pain and chronic disease can be cured by lifestyle changes, right? Like helping to teach people these things and like runners, um, you know, that are doing this thing to, to better their health, are getting into running, but not understanding how they need to have this comprehensive plan. They need to have the the strength training really is plays such a critical role in allowing them to be runners and to, especially if you're going in and trying to run a half marathon or a marathon or trying to get faster or anything like that. And so coming from this sports medicine background as a PT, like that was one of the first things that I started to do within our business is like just teach runners how to prevent injury, how to teach them how to treat and prevent injury. And lifting is a huge part of that, you know? So essentially, um, injury prevention is one of the biggest areas that most runners will finally start to accept that strength training is necessary for. Like If I tell them, because a lot of runners are like, I don't want to strength train. Like, it's so funny. Like there's like lifters that hate running and then runners that hate lifting, you know, and really it's all just making us stronger and healthier humans. Right. So if you, if there's a runner out there that like, does not like lifting, if I can help them understand how, doing some of these strength exercises will actually help your knee feel better so that you can now run 10 miles instead of being limited. Every time you hit five or six, they're like, Oh, okay. Then they start to kind of listen. Right. So that's usually kind of my in (laughs) like (laughs) injury treatment or prevention, right. Helping them understand that. Like when we lift, when we do targeted strength training as runners, it helps to support our body in a way to allow us to do that thing that we love, which is running, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that a lot of that lifting will do is, well, it will help us to build power and and speed, right? Because a lot of times runners will get into running and they will just, you know, they'll start running, they'll want to be in better shape. And then they like, do their first 5k, right? Or they join a running group and they realize, oh, like I'm not as fast as other people. And they start comparing themselves, which is a whole other topic. But then the next thing they want to develop is they want to get faster, right? And lifting strength training will allow people to get faster because when you build your muscles, you develop more power. And when you have more power, you can run faster without getting so tired, which is like really the third aspect of like helping make your muscles more fatigue resistant, right? So that they don't fatigue as quickly. And in strength training, when you build muscle mass and you improve um, muscle recruitment, which is, you know, the number of muscles that Fibers that are firing when you're doing certain exercises, you, your running just becomes a lot more efficient. So you waste less energy, which means you have more energy to run longer or to run faster.
0: Are there particular exercises that are, um, you know, uniquely specific to runners mm-hmm. that are like really great? If, if you're, if you are a runner, of like adding these core lifts to your yeah. your your training.
1: Well, so it, it's interesting the way that strength training's kind of developed in the running community because there it used to be like you know body weight exercises are the best for runners, right? And now there's definitely been more of a shift towards more like power lifts and um, you know some of these like more like compound lifting and and like low repetition high weight types of lifting, which was like the opposite of the way that runners used to strength train. Mm. And really, there's a place for both, um, but in my opinion the most important exercises for runners to do are single leg exercises, like because running is essentially jumping from one leg to the next. Right. And so our body needs to be able to stabilize itself and then propel itself forward. So, a lot of times runners will go into the gym and like, you know, squats are great. Deadlifts are great. Like, you know, some of the, the exercises that a lot of runners that I recommend are, you know, squats, deadlifts, um, planks, farmers carry those kinds of things, all important, um, exercises. But I always tell people, you also need to focus on single leg exercises because that is how you need to strengthen as a runner. It's very functional, right? Mm -hmm. So when we land on one leg, like all of the muscles, especially in our glutes need to contract and stabilize our pelvis. And then our whole leg complex obviously has to then propel us forward as well. So by training one leg at a time, doing, you know, single leg deadlifts, like single leg squats, like the same types of movements, but with just one leg instead of two, you're training your body to be able to stabilize itself on one leg, which is exactly what we need to do as runners.
0: Mm, that's that's super interesting. Yeah. Um, so let's, you kind of mentioned this. So let's, let's go there, uh, this talk about comparison and yeah. you know, what you brought up was very, very common is like comparison against other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that happens when, when you're a runner or when you go to the gym, like, you know, our brains love to compare and that can be somewhat beneficial in some instances and somewhat unbeneficial in a lot of instances. Yeah. Um, but one of the more like, um, just like sneaky ways that competition tends to, um, come out. And, and I think we see it a lot in runners. We also see it a lot in lifters where it's like, you compare a current version of yourself mm-hmm. to a past version of yourself. You know, I think, oh, I used to be able to lift X amount of weight, or I used to be able to, you know, PR my mile at this time. And, and yep. I'm not currently there. And that can be a little bit harder to distance ourselves from because it's not someone else. It's like actually apples to apples. We feel like comparison. So yeah, I used to be able
1: to do this. Why can't I do this anymore?
0: Right. So how can we move away from comparison, both in the terms of with other people, but then also with like past versions of ourselves?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree with this, you know, and I think that the most important thing for us to remember and to understand is that running is a journey or our fitness is a journey. Right. And it's not supposed to look the same at different places, like in our life, like it's supposed to look different when we are at different places in our life. And it can also play a different role in our life. Right. Like depending on where we are, like, I see it a lot especially with women, right? Comparing themselves pre-baby to post-baby, right? Like biceps after babies. Like that's a lot of um, what happens with us as women. You're like, well, this is what was happening. This is what I was capable of before I had this baby. I had some babies and now like Things are totally different. Like, and of course they are. Like, everything in your life is different, right? Your body has changed. Your hormones have changed. Like, so much has changed. And we don't like to acknowledge that for some reason. We think that, like, you know, we should be the same as we were when we were like 25 years old and and single. And, you know, (laughs) it's just not the same. And so I think that, like, it's important to kind of understand and realize, like, what was running for you then or lifting or fitness, whatever it might be, right? What was it before? you were a mom or back you know 10 years ago 20 years ago whatever you're comparing yourself to and then what is running now and i think it's really about redefining the role that we want running to have in that season of our lives like understanding that like where i am now as a 41 year old mom of two is much different than where i was at 21 like when i was 21 i was running because i didn't like my body and because i wanted to lose weight and i was in college and like You know, I wasn't playing sports anymore, and like running still sucked, and like all of that, right? And here I am, at forty-one, and I have two kids. I'm in the best, what I would consider the best shape of my life. And running is a like I love it, right? It gives me a sense of community. It gives me a way to challenge myself. It like is this a place of personal empowerment? But like, you know, I think that understanding how it plays a different role in our life is really, really important because even though maybe people were faster at a younger age. And like, this is like, my husband was a competitive runner in high school and college. Right. So he's like, he's, he's never going to hit those numbers again, like the speeds. Right. And like, I'm not quite there because like, I still feel like I don't really know what I'm capable of. Like, I'm still like, I think it's still possible for me to improve. Right. I don't really know, but like, it's a different mindset to understand. Okay. Like that was then, and this is now, and my life looks totally different now. And it's, I like to compare it to marriage. It just alone, right? Because like there's the honeymoon phase, right? Like yeah. right when you get married and everything's exciting <laughs> and like it's just you and your husband and there's date nights and there's romance and there's all these things. And then there's life with two kids. And we can appreciate both for what they are, but, and then also know that we're exactly where we need to be right now. Like as much fun as it was to be in that honeymoon phase and whatnot, like I wouldn't trade what I have now for that any day of the week, right? Like that was great. And so is this, like it can be a both and instead of an either
0: or. Yeah. It's like honoring both, both, both versions of yourself and both times of your life.
1: Yeah. And different seasons. Right. Like, I think that that's really the important thing is like, especially people that have like new babies, you know, when they come to us and they're like, well, I just had a baby six months ago and I really want to get back to my pre-baby weight and my pre-baby racing and all of this stuff. And I'm like, give yourself some time to breathe, you know, like your baby's only six months old. Like you have the rest of your life to run and and that's fine, but you don't have to get right back to where
0: you were right away, you know, And, and just like, What's that? It's like taking away the hurry, like taking yeah. away the, the time yeah. frame. I loved what you said about, um, if you want to run a race, like maybe releasing that time frame in which you think that it needs to happen. Like it needs to happen next month or in yep. six months or whatever. Like, it's like, yeah, we're going to run this race and I'm going to get ready for it. And I'm going to give myself plenty of time, plenty of runway to do so. Yeah. Um, I think that's really valuable is like releasing that time frame that you think. It well, because has to in.
1: I always tell people like, what do you rushing towards? Like, why is this such an important thing that you have to get to right now? Right. Like, do you want to just, you know, run for six months and then be done? Or do you want to try to run for the rest of your life? You know, like most of the people that we work with, like want running to be a part of their life in some form for as long as possible. And the people that like are limited and aren't able to run because of knee pain or because of, you know, whatever it might be, they are so upset that they no longer have running. So I'm like, instead of trying to rush ahead and like hit these numbers and risk injury in the process, why don't you just like slow it down a little bit, give yourself a a longer timeline, enjoy the process a heck of a lot more and know that you're still on the right path to get to that goal. It might just take a little bit longer than you originally hoped for.
0: Yeah. So you talked about the longevity, like having it this having longevity in the sport. Yeah. What are things that that runners need to be thinking about that is going to help improve that ability to continue running into their 50s and 60s and 70s and however long they want to be running? How do we improve longevity in the sport?
1: Um, lots of ways, but the biggest thing is like understanding how to train in a way that's right for you. Mm-hmm for your body for your goals for your lifestyle that you want um to be living right now and like we we talk about like training with intention right and training with like a personalized plan and understanding that like running is just one piece of the puzzle that you need to actually support yourself as an athlete through running through strength training through nutrition through recovery right that is the best way for you to have longevity in the sport and avoid injury and avoid you know some of the pitfalls and the time off and things that a lot of people have is because they try to push too hard like most runners when they want to get faster or they want to run longer they end up going out and they just push too hard all the time and they never allow their body time to recover and when you are constantly pushing hard and breaking the body down and not recovering and not fueling yourself well with good nutrition it's just going to lead to burnout. It's going to lead to exhaustion. It's going to lead to injury. It's going to lead to you not being able to run anymore. And so the best way to improve longevity is to really think of yourself as an athlete and think of all the other areas that support you as a runner. Um, and then number two, slow down (laughs) because you're probably running too fast. Like most runners, that's like the biggest mistake we see is that most runners run too fast all the time. You know, like they think that running needs to feel uncomfortable to be uh, effective, right? They, they need to be uncomfortable. They need to be, be pushing it to that like medium to moderate effort, effort level. You know, we do a lot of um, teach people about effort level training and like the RPE, the rating of perceived exertion. And like most runners, when they go out, they run at like a level like five or six out of 10, right? Cause they think that that's like medium pace. Like that's, that's where I should be. Right. And in reality, most of the running should actually be around like a level two or three out of 10, you know, which when I tell that people that so much more enjoyable, to me. <laughs> it is, you got it. Right. And say so, like, once I learned that, mm. like, that's one of the things that made running so much more enjoyable. Like you could yeah. just go out and like, I go out and run with my friends, and we just like chat and have a conversation as we're running because it's at an easy enough pace that, like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not gasping for air. (laughs) You know, like, so, like, most runners, like, that's one of the biggest things. Like, and when I tell people that they kind of have this like mind blown moment where they're like, really? Like, running doesn't have to feel hard all the time. And I'm like, no, like it should actually feel easy. Like a little bit of your running needs to be hard. Like if you want to get faster and and kind of push yourself, you need to do a little bit of that, like medium to harder running, but most of it should be at that comfortable pace. Um, and then the third thing would be strength training, you know, understanding that like, again, there's going to be more than just running that, you know, adds to your longevity with, with the sport.
0: Okay, so you just blew my mind. <laughs> I am I, that the mind blown one is me. Yeah. <laughs> it me, it me. Um and it's just so interesting to like see how um I can learn lessons in one area of my life and yet not apply them in other areas of my life because so I true. do. I'm noticing as you're talking is like that's one of the reasons I haven't gone out for a run is because like it sucks on some level. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to go do something that's like hard and they don't like and um Right. Giving myself the permission just to like have it be easy, like. Yeah. Just- and and you know what else I can give you the permission to do? Please walk. I love that. Thank you. Yes, I will
1: because that. so many people think that like, well, if I'm a runner, that means I can't walk, or like if, I, up if I feel like, like yeah, yeah, like I'm doing it wrong, or I'm just not good. Like run, walk. Like there's there's actually like a method, run walk method, and this is how we coach a lot of our athletes, especially like the new runners or, um, uh, people that are coming back from injury or people that are really trying to build mileage, like having scheduled walking breaks is a very good method for you to improve your running. Because like, once you like a lot of people, believe it or not, have a hard time understanding what it feels like to run easy because they're so used to pushing yeah. themselves. Right. And so there are so many times people come in, I'm like, you get to run easy. And they're like, okay, cool. And then they like head out on the run. They're like, yeah, no, that wasn't, that wasn't a two, that was still a four, or that was a five, or that was a six. They Pull have a really hard, hard time. <laughs> yeah. And this kind of goes back to that identity piece that we started with is like a lot of times people will identify themselves as a slow runner. And so they're like, well, I'm already a slow runner. I don't want to slow down even more. Right. Yeah, and yeah. then that I feel that. And then I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> And then that ego kind of gets in the way, yeah. right? Of like, I'm already slow, I can't go slower. Like yeah. that and and even though they see, we t- we give them the science and we show them all the things behind it, they're like, "Yeah, I don't really believe you. I think I should just keep pushing." And then they should come back, you know, with an injury. And I'm like, "Don't do that to yourself." You know, mm-hmm. like allow yourself to let it feel easy. And if that means that you need a walking break, let yourself have a walking break. You know, that's all part of it, and you're actually going to improve a lot quicker when you train that way.
0: I just feel like a whole weight has been lifted off of my shoulders. Yay! <laughs> I can walk. <laughs> I can go slow. Exactly. I can, like, and it's like, why? It's so silly that like we need that permission from somebody else, or we somewhat like. I think I need your permission to be able to do that, yeah. which I don't, of course. Um, but it like never occurred to me that it just I could just run slower, and I could yeah. just walk. <laughs> like that's okay. You can do all those things, and it actually, to your point can help you to be better. And I see this, like the, the correlation between like lifting and, and, um, and this is like, just so clear, but it's like the people who feel like the best type of lifting is like, if they're always lifting. so it's like, they always have to be like moving from one lift to the next and to the next. And like, they need to add like jumping squats in, in between their like squat sets. And you're not like, no, no, actually like doing a really heavy squat set and then like sitting your butt on a chair for like mm-hmm. the next two minutes to actually recover the muscle so that you can go back and like push heavy again is, yep. is the best way to do it. Like sit your butt on a chair, yep. <laughs> pull out your phone for the next two minutes actually rest and recover and then go back and do that heavy weight again. Mm -hmm. Um, but people think that more is better. And so they add jumping squats in between and you're like, yeah, "Yeah, but now you're, it's like, you're changing the whole, the whole uh, exercise and you're not getting the results that you would get if you just sat your butt on chair.
1: Yeah. You're changing the the whole point of the workout. Right. Like, and it's the same thing that we do like with speed workouts, for example. So like a a common speed workout that will give people will be like quarter repeats, right. Where you run a quarter mile hard and then you stop and you rest for a minute and then you do it again. Right. And there, I, I had a running friend that um, I used to run with and she would always want to jog the rest periods. Right. Because she felt like she wasn't doing anything. Yeah. like, no, no, no. That's not the point of this workout. Like we, in order to hit that pace, because it was a harder pace that we were supposed to be hitting, we need to rest in between. And then she's like, no, no, no. She always wanted to jog. And so then by the last set, she wasn't able to hit those paces anymore. Gassed, yeah. Yeah. Cause you're gassed exactly because you weren't recovering correctly. Um, but that's, that's all part of it, which is super fun. And to me, that's what really made running so much more fun when I like learned that there were different rates. Like I didn't just have to go out and run, at the same pace and just like be bored (laughs) because I thought it was running was so boring. And that was actually how my husband got me to enjoy running was to give me like interval workouts where I would have these change of pace workouts which to me was so much more fun and interesting. And it also gets you in shape so much quicker because like when you just like a car, you know, like when you're when you press the gas and then slow down, press the gas and slow down, that's actually the worst way to get like good gas mileage. Right. But it's the fastest way to get your heart and lungs in shape because it's like you're constantly you're you're pressing the gas and then pulling back and pressing and pulling back. Um, so that's actually a much faster way to get in shape. And so when I tell people that they're also more open to like running easier, or taking walking breaks, if they know that that's going to make them get in shape even faster.
0: Mm-hmm. So talk to me a little bit about the RPE scale. Cause I'm very familiar with the RPE scale when it comes yeah. to weightlifting and how, you know, what an eight RPE is. Oh, I would uh, like to learn more about that in lifting. Oh, well, I, well, I will tell you. So in yeah. lifting, it is the RPE scale is used, as of like how many more, li- how many more set, uh, reps you could do, yeah. uh, at that weight. So for example, if you're doing 135 pound squat and you're doing an RP of eight, you want to do, uh, the number of, of reps that where you could have done two more. So an yep, RP, I, is, I, I could have done two more set two more reps. reps. Okay. RP nine is I could have done one more rep RP yeah. 10 is like, that was it. That's Every, it. everything's on the table. That's a one rep max. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of, a lot of people want to go in that, like they always want to be one rep maxing, but in reality, a lot of your training should be in that like six to seven to eight RP range where you're leaving something in the tank Mm -hmm. you know, for the next set and, 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 and so on down. So that's how it works in running or in uh, lifting. So yeah. how does RP scale work in running? Is it based off of a, of a mileage, like a split time? Is it based off of perceived exertion? Like Mm -hmm. what's that metric that you use?
1: Yeah. So it's funny. And I think that that's where a lot of people get mixed up because you're, you just said that in lifting, you want to do a lot of your workouts in that like six to eight range. And that's where a lot of runners come in thinking that they need to do most of their runs in that six to eight range or like in that five to seven range. Right. And that's actually the worst way to train. Right. So in running, it's actually, you want to be the majority, like 80% of your running should be in the two to three range. Like that's, I know. (laughs) Like, My no. mind is so blown. Like it should feel easy because that's where we start to to access the aerobic system, right? Because running is an aerobic exercise. In aerobic, we need oxygen in order to you know, burn the energy the way we want to. Right. Cause uh, as you obviously know, there's a, an aerobic system and an anaerobic system and running is an aerobic activity. So we need to be in those lower effort levels of like an RPE of like two to three out of 10, 80% of the time to allow our heart to develop and our lungs to develop. Right. Because during those times, that's when we actually like build more mitochondria, which will help us to produce more energy. We build more capillary networks throughout the body, which will help get more blood to our working muscles. We help um, the efficiency of fat oxidation, right? Like breaking fat down and using fat as fuel that happens in those lower intensity ranges because we need to have oxygen readily available for those processes. And then we need to do 20% of our training in the anaerobic range. So really that's anything from like five and up, you know, five to 10 and in endurance running, we very rarely ever hit a 10, you know, like maybe in sprinting you do, but not like in especially half marathon marathon training, you should really never be up at a 10, maybe like an eight or a nine, but anything from like a five to an eight is really what you want to do like 20% of the time. So, um, you know, this could look like again, like I said before, with like quarter repeats, right? Where you're doing like a hard interval and then you rest and then a hard interval and you rest. But for example, if that was part of a five mile run, you wouldn't do that for five miles. You would do like a one to two mile warm up, and then you would do a couple of miles of speed work and then you would do a nice easy cool down. So even within that workout, only a a small part of the workout is at that higher intensity level.
0: So how do I know when I'm running at a two or three? Is it based on pace? Is it based on uh, heart rate? Is it based on like, can I can talk to my neighbor? Like what, how do I know that I'm that pace. So nowadays
1: there's like so much technology available yeah. to us. Right. And I think that this is also where a lot of runners get stuck is that they want that exact pace or they want that exact heart rate. And there, depending on the training method that you use, there are people that'll give you like power zones or heart rate zones yeah. or pace zones yeah. for you to hit, you know, in different, um, ratios. Right. But one of the ways that we like to train our athletes is effort-based with helping them Actually, learn how to listen to their bodies. So two to three out of 10 is really like, I'm not out of breath. I can hold a conversation. Like I can say at least a full sentence without needing to like stop and take a breath and gasp for air. If you're running by yourself, we always like to say, um, you can sing the first line of like the star spangled banner or, you know, let it go. If you're, if you're not American or whatever song it is that you want. But like being able to have that kind of conversation and and just not feel out of breath like it should feel easy to you and like mm. it's so funny how difficult that is for people to like actually allow themselves to go slow enough. I can see that being really hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a good challenge because you're used to pushing yourself, right? right? Yeah. Like, cause as an athlete, especially as someone with goals, like we're constantly be, we're told to push ourselves, like yeah. no pain, no gain, work harder is better. Right. Like you should always be pushing. And that's the mentality that so many people come from, especially people that get into running later in life. You know, they come from that competitive sports background when they were younger. And so that's the mentality they have. And so when I, when they come to us and I tell them, no, 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 you have to slow down. And they're Go like, what do you, yeah. What do you mean? And they're like, yeah, no coach in my enough. life has ever told me to go slower. <laughs> I know. I know. And that's the beauty of running. Like, and the crazy thing is when you go slower, you actually get faster, right? Because yeah. of like those physiological adaptations that I was talking about before, like you build your body into a more powerful engine that's capable of running longer and running faster and more efficiently.
0: Okay. My mind has been blown officially. <laughs> I'm glad I could do that for you. I've learned so much. Uh, that, makes me that happy. I, and I've like learned so many of the things that I didn't know that I needed to learn uh, during this podcast episode. So that's amazing. Thanks, Angie, for, yeah, for, for sharing sure. all that stuff with us. Uh, if people are wanting to connect with you and they are having their mind blown and they're like, well, maybe I could be a runner. Maybe, I, maybe I've hated running because I've done it, it wrong the whole, all of my life. And I thought yeah. that it has to be hard and I have to suck and it has to I have to hate it. Um, How do they connect with you? Yeah. So, um, we
1: are online at real life runners.com. That's the name of our, our company is real life runners. We also have a weekly podcast called real life runners. Um, and then on Instagram, you know, I, Instagram is the platform that I would say I'm the most active on. So again, at real life runners. Um, so connect with me on any of those, I would love to help anybody learn how to make running work for them. Because I really believe that like, if you have a desire to be a runner or to run a half marathon or a marathon, like it's possible for anyone. Like I I think if you just do it the right way.
0: So good. Well, this has been amazing. Thanks so much for coming on Angie and sharing all of your wisdom and insight and information with um, my audience. Really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so grateful for Angie and her coming onto the podcast and sharing her expertise and her wisdom. And you know what? I'm going to I'm committing to letting running be easy. And that's such a mindset shift for me. Uh, Like she said, of like feeling like I always have to push myself and it always has to be hard and has to suck on some level for it to be effective. And this whole idea of like an RPE, running at an RPE of like two or three is just completely mind blown blown for me. So I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it uh, and I'll let you guys know how it goes. I have my half marathon. Actually, by the time you listen to this, I'll probably have already run my half marathon and I plan to uh, come on the podcast and talk about some of the lessons that I learned during that experience. So I think that'll probably be next week. You You have that to look forward to. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember my friend, you can do anything. Hey friend, have you heard the news? We have a Biceps After Babies Radio insider list.